TC podcast. My name's Dan Half. I'm secretary of the club. Um, this evening, I'm here with three fine souls to, well, hopefully not talk too much doom and gloom, although there may well be a fair bit of that given England's stunningly abysmal performances uh, in Australia, but we'll, we'll see what positives we can find. Um, to help me do that, as ever, I've got the club chairman, Eugene Berger. Eugene, how are you? You well? Yeah, very well, thanks. And you, Dan? And, and it hasn't been abysmal. I mean, you know, it's, um, England got to day five and, you know, only lost in the, with what, 20 overs to go. So, yeah, I mean, you know, clutching at straws for looking at positives. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's something to talk about a little bit later. You are the most positive man in the world, Huge. I will give you that. And we'll, we'll get back to this in, in due course. But, uh, yeah, we did get to day five. That was one way of looking at it, I suppose. Um, all good. Alongside Huge, um, Club Store, Andy Donnellan. Donners, how are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Donners fighting with a laptop that has a lot to say, uh, I think. So it, it is a bit of background noise. We apologise. But we're working on that, Donners, aren't we? Certainly are, yeah. Good, man. I'm purposely not mentioning Fulham. OK, we'll leave that for this week. Is that right? Um, quite happy with that. Yeah, move on. Move on. We'll move on. Um, last but not least, very pleased to welcome a debutante to the podcast. Um, I know Tom's uh, Tom Field's been listening to us uh, a few times in, in the past weeks and months, but first time he's been on. So, Tom Field, good to have you on board. Thank you so much for having me. Good, good. Well, I was going to start, Field, by asking you about about your future. Really, this sounds all a bit heavy, doesn't it? But I asked for an obvious reason. Your <laughs> eight years with the club is probably going to come to an end, right? As you're moving to Pastures New. Yeah. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I've I've played my last my last league game probably for Twickenham as uh, we've moved over to the southwest into Bristol. So yeah, no, no doubts I will grace the green at some point, but um, I'd say I probably played my last league game in a Twickenham shirt, unfortunately. Which is a shame. Cause it's been eight. It's been eight successful years. I think. I think that's a you know something yeah. everyone would agree with. There's been promotions. There's been Premier League cricket. There's been plenty of wickets. Um, can you tell us just a little bit for those who don't know where were you before you came to Twickenham? You're 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 a man of the southwest, aren't you? Yeah. So yeah, I was born and bred in the south of Devon. So I was playing my cricket in Torbay in the Devon Premier League before I moved up to London. Well, from Car I was at university in Cardiff, of course, before, but before I moved permanently to London for eight long years. But yeah, yep. very good move. But for those who don't know, Devon is um, home to some truly stupendous cricket grounds, right? We're, we're, I guess you must have played on most of these places, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them are as picturesque as they are cold, unfortunately, because they happen to be right next to the sea. But, um, yeah, some unbelievable places if people haven't had the chance to go and play there. Ovi Tracy is one I remember. In, is that, that was a nice one to go Ovi Tracy, yeah, really, really nice ground. Um, very good tea. Very wow, good tea. Now we'll get into it. And it's, I, do, I do find that the nicer the ground is sort of directly proportional to the quality of the tea. Um, in Devon, that is anyway. Uh, not necessarily Middlesex, as unfortunately as I've experienced a few times. But um, yeah, uh, there's unbelievable grounds that people haven't had the chance to play. Exmouth Cricket Club, North Devon Cricket Club, again, some of the coldest places in the world, but unbelievably beautiful. Well, certainly I played a few times in Devon and always, always enjoyed it. A lot of cricket tours go down to Devon and I, I never quite knew why until I went on one. And, and yeah, it, it's a good place to be if the sun's shining, certainly. It makes me think though, what so when you came to Middlesex, 
what, what did you expect? Did you expect cricket to be different somehow, or, or did you have no expectations? And what did you experience really? What, how would you summarise eight years playing in, in in the Middlesex League? It's um, it, it is incredibly different. I did, I suppose I didn't really have any expectations because I, all I really knew was that playing in Devon. And I suppose the the biggest difference is a first team gets put out on a Saturday in Devon, and eight nine of those blokes, probably ten of those blokes, have grown up playing cricket in Devon. Um, whereas you go to Twickenham, Richmond, Hampstead, whoever, the chances are 10 out of those 11 players, just purely because of how London is as a place, haven't played, haven't grown up in, in that area. So I think that's the difference. So you're, you can quite often play against blokes on a Saturday that you've played against for a long, long time. Um, I suppose that's one of the biggest differences. The second biggest difference, or was the thing I think surprised me the most, was the was the the wickets. Um, because Much better, I, right? I don't know, Dan, if you know, it, it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, they are genuinely like I don't, I don't know, Dan, if you notice, but like in Devon, the the it's red mud, mm-hmm. so yeah. the 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 grounds, the pitches tend to be a lot slower and lower. Um, you like you, you never go back at all. It's almost like playing in a completely different place. Um, so that was like when I came to the green, and obviously those first four or five years, and then again, it's sort of going back that way was an absolute road. I thought as a bowler, I was like, this is a disaster because it was just such a lovely place to bat. But as a bowler, it was just it was a pretty tough place on a bad day. And I think it affects techniques, Tom. I, I certainly, I mean, obviously didn't grow up playing cricket in Devon, but Shropshire probably has a degree of similarity to it. And, you know, you spent all of your life on the front foot. You just, it wasn't a trigger yeah. movement. It was just a stomp. You know, you, you get your front foot. Yeah, yeah. Nothing's going to get up. Not Certainly not until August. Um, and, of course, in Middlesex, even, you know, outside of the Premier League, the track's just a bit quicker. Uh, and I, I don't yeah. think maybe it's because they've been better better catered for, but maybe the quality of groundsmanship is better. I, I don't know, but it was different for sure. And I, and I soon learned if you go forward on some of these tracks, well, you, you just be in danger of losing your teeth. So, um, so I, yeah. I, I, I felt I had to learn quite quickly with with quicker wickets. So I guess that's the, the, a similar sort of thing. My my first ever game for Twickenham was a game you captained actually against. Um, oh, what's that? Really good side from Surrey called. It was in a friendly against uh, Adam London's lot. Uh, Sunbury. Sunbury. Sunbury, that's it. Um, I think, Gina, I think you played in that as well. And Matt Bendelow came up and took a load of photos of the game. And he took a photo of me batting. And I'm honestly, like, my face is almost touching the turf. Because that's <laughs> that's how I'd always batted. And that's how you were always taught to bat as because you knew that it was just going to stay so much lower. And obviously you compare that maybe to what I bat like now is probably a, a lot different. Because that, that first season, it's interesting, I thought you were going to say East Coke. So I remember your first league game was at East Coke and Matt Bendler was skipping yeah. that year, but he couldn't play in the first game. So I think I'm right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that very well. I think. And I think we lost. You did. But me and you put on a lot of run, put on a 60 or 70 uh, in, in, a, in a reasonably close game. And I, th- I think I got out pretty poorly um and then you must have got 40 odd for batting quite low 40 down. odd yeah something like yeah that. it was a, a good, good game of cricket i'd yeah I, I couldn't i'd sort of that was again another shock was the standard because that was obviously a second team game yeah. and the standard of cricket was what well, i couldn't believe it i really yeah it was such a good standard for for amateur second team cricket 
I think lots of people who don't play in, in London don't realise that once you get out of first 11 cricket in most other counties, you, people can't see what I've just done there, but yeah. the, standard, the standard goes downhill. Uh, and that's because we haven't got the depth. There's not as many players. And, and in yeah. Middlesex and Surrey, there are just an awful lot of, of cricketers. about. So what, what will your um, yeah. most positive memory of your time at Twickenham be? Tough question, that one. Oh, wow. Uh, that is a... Yeah, I mean, the whole of 2017. Um, because 2016 was such a dreadful year for the club. It was awful. I don't think anyone really enjoyed it. Is that right? Oh, it was awful. And no, nobody really enjoyed their cricket. Um, and then 2017, the other gentleman on this, on this call, Eugene Berger, suddenly kicked into gear and the bry was lit up every Saturday night. All the teams were winning... And I think if four of the sides go back up that, yep. that year, um, I think two, uh, twos and threes both won their leagues. That was, uh, honestly, that was my favourite season. That was awesome. But like, I don't know, that, that was a season highlight. It was great, but individual highlights were, I, I don't know, Dan, I think you saw the day Greg Ford and Reese David batted against Ealing in the yes. MDL game yeah. uh, and put on nearly 200 in probably 20 overs. That was an absolute joy to watch it was ridiculous I was going to suggest the day Um, the twos went up at Shepherd's Bush when Anu Agavar yeah again that was was the last game of 2017 that's 17 isn't it of course it is yeah I think Anu Anu Agavar almost got divorced after that night after how much he drank but um, (laughs) it didn't matter because he got he got us promoted so not only promoted but he won us the league with his hat hat trick trick. yeah of course yeah it was do or die, wasn't it? You either lost and stayed down or won and won the league. It was a bizarre situation. Yeah, Magnificent stuff. Um, great. Well, talking about years that were not so good, um, yeah, we might as well get onto the ashes here, folks, um, because it, it's probably <laughs> we've got a winter that's not so good to talk about. But I'm, I'm going to start with Yuge. Um, 2 2 still on, Yuge. Of course it is. Didn't you see the fight that, uh, that England put in there? I mean... What you've got to understand is, is that the first test was, you know, it was it was sort of a walkover because England didn't have the preparation or, or you know, the right amount of, um, I suppose, input into into their cricket where they're, they're feeling their way in, unfortunately. And look, they, they played all five days for a change, which is great, instead of losing within, what was it, three and a bit or four and a bit, what, what, I can't remember how long it was now. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was what, 20 overs left in the day. And considering... I don't think England won a session, or maybe they did when, when maybe Milan and Root were scoring some runs. The only two batters that seemed to be able to to put anything together with the exception of Butler in the fourth innings. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Rue the facts of drop catches, no balls, you know, it could have been a completely different story. So from my perspective, you know, if, if the coaches get their asses in gear and start coaching the guys properly to keep their foot behind the line and start taking their catches, I think there'll be a, a bit of a change for the, for the third test, in my opinion. Well, you just uh, thrown down the gauntlet there, gentlemen, that actually the second test was nowhere near as bad as we thought it was and, and the future's bright. Um, Tom, any thoughts? Yeah, I don't, like, I've sort of... I've had multiple arguments with myself about this over the, the past couple of weeks because I think after the first test, I sort of felt like, do you know what? Like, we are two sides in completely different places at the moment. Like, would you would you talk about if Man City and Norwich played against each other five times and City beat them five times? Would you be looking at what Norwich could do differently, which different players they should have picked? I thought they're just better than us, but 
and I thought, do you know what, actually, um, let's give him a chance. But then I switched on the TV at the end of day one in this second test, and I was just like, what is going on? Like, it looked like a, either a Sunday friendly or it looked like we were bowling for the declaration. It was just bizarre. And I'm, I don't know, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I've sort of changed my attitude a couple of times about it. And initially, obviously thinking, yeah, do you know what, we shouldn't be overanalyzing it. But now, I just think, I'm, I just, as an England fan, I'm just frustrated that we have been like this for sort of four or five years now. Um, and whenever things go badly, we just pick the same players. We don't look outside that 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 pool of players that are available to us. And like I said, me and Eugene were chatting the other day that the three or four top run scorers in the county championship this year aren't weren't even on the plane with the Lions. Like the guys that are the batters in that side in the Lions squad were weren't even even in the top twenty run scorers. And like then you look at the other players people are talking about, like Crawley and Folks and Bairstow, Lawrence, like Folks and Crawley are average or um Folks and Bairstow are both averaging fifteen this year in Test cricket. Crawley averages eleven. Uh, Lawrence averages twenty five. Like I would just respect them so much more if they said, Look, we're not that good. We've got players that could be good in a few years' time, but they're not now. Let's just try something else out. But the thing I find most galling about all that is all I've heard for the last two years is about Ash's preparation. We've got this long term. Yeah, exactly. We know what we're doing. We're going to get the right players in the yeah. right place at the right time. Well, I think you could say that, or you could just see it as weapons-grade bullshit. You know, I mean, I, I see no evidence of that. Yeah. It doesn't look like we know what we're doing. Haven't they um, been focusing on the one-day stuff and the, and the white ball cricket? I, I think I think you're different. I, I don't know. I haven't seen any preparation for any any long format cricket yet, except for, you know, T20 and, and the 50 over stuff. I haven't seen any preparation for the Ashes. Well, you, you could see that from the agenda as well, use of, uh, of um, English county cricket. You play county cricket in April and May and in September. You know, you, you don't play county cricket in anything even remotely similar to the type of conditions you're going to get other than in Durham in May or in September. And how are you supposed yeah. to prepare to play in Australia when you don't give yourself a chance to play any any first-class cricket in, in, in the middle of the English summer? Now, I get the point about we might need money. We might need to, you know, there's lots of other forms of the game, but you've made it pretty clear which ones you're not prioritising. And, and that's that's the type of stuff that we're staying up all night to watch. Donners, what do you make of all this? I think, I think things are coming home to roost now. I think for too long we've prioritised, and I understand why we've done it, limited overs cricket, and, and arguably we've become one of the best um, in the world at, at the shorter forms. But the test, um, uh, you know, the, the, the test match skills have just gone out the window, I think, over the last five, six, seven years. So I think that, for me, is the underlying issue. I think more recently, I don't think we've got the right squad. There's issues with the players that we're playing are not informed. I think Josh Butler, I feel so sorry for the guy. He's not an actual keeper. He shouldn't be keeping for England in, in test matches. We should have a recognised keeper. Um, I, I think we've made decisions, wrong decisions, in terms of backing when we should be bowling and vice versa. I just think we're in a mess. And as Tom says, we need to change. We need to bring in young blood. And... I just can't see it happening, but that's what needs to happen, in my opinion. But the, the disappointing thing is, I, I reckon, 
How many Ashes tours can I remember? Far too many, probably, but six or seven of them. And on most of those, we've been having this type of discussion at the end of the second test. We're 2 0 down. We ain't very yeah. good. Let's give somebody else a chance. You know, it's the Ian Salisbury moment. You know, when, when do we chuck in the leg spinner who no one would have picked originally? And it, it's coming soon, isn't it? Um, and I just thought, yeah, like, I can really be in this position. Well, did you see? Did you see that stat when last England won in Australia? Four thousand days ago. Yeah. Yeah, I just think the you can either lose or you can lose, right? Like you can either die wandering or you can just get absolutely annihilated. And in twenty seventeen, even though we were getting beaten, I just felt like there was a different there was a different feel to the losses. I felt like there was a bit of fight in some of the games, whereas. I don't know. I think Mitch hit the nail on the head on the last pod about uh, Ben Stokes that he just doesn't look. He doesn't look like he's there. Um, I, think that's right. I just, yeah. I just feel like there's a, I feel like there's a watershed moment coming with it with England Test cricket, like there was in 2013, where obviously now with that Test documentary, we've seen that like Stephen Finn, loads of the other blokes, Jonathan Trott, were all suffering with like mental health issues. Josh Butler doesn't. Josh Butler is one of the most talented cricketers in the world. And he's not, he doesn't look like it at the moment. Um, ben Stokes looks like the first teamer that's had a few beers the night before and is playing in a, a standard that's way too good for him and that he's just sort of having a bit of a hit. Like, he just doesn't look like he's there. And I just, I just feel like we're, we're going to come to the end of the series and there's going to be something. I, I don't know, I could be completely wrong. I just feel like there's going to be something that just... There's something there that's just not... Not quite right. I, I don't know. I could be completely miss, missing it, but well, it'd be yeah, very it just hard feels different. It'd be quite right, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. You know, if you're going out and you're getting yeah. battered all the time, you're a long way from home. It, it's got to be a challenging set of circumstances. Um, looking forward though, yeah. what do we do for the third test? I mean, does Pope carry on? I mean, would Pope be in the side if he were playing for Gloucestershire? No, no. I, I would. No. I, I would. I would drop Pope. Sorry. I would um, retain Butler as, as a batsman and I would bring in, just because he's the only one there, I would bring in Besto to keep wicket. I don't think that's a long-term solution. I, I would like to see, I think Ben Folks is probably the best club in the UK, uh, in my opinion. I would like to see him keeping wicket. But for now, take, take the gloves off, off Butler. It's not fair on him. Let him concentrate on batting. Being he is one of the world's most disruptive batsmen. Let him concentrate on being that. He can play very, very solidly. I thought I thought his effort in the fourth innings was outstanding. Um, just take the gloves off him. So yes, hope out. Sorry. Can we can we just quickly browse over what Dan did there? If he was playing for Gloucester, that's a heinous accusation, Dan. Are you saying that because he's playing for Surrey, that's the reason why he's playing for England? I'm putting a thesis out there, Eugene, that playing for Surrey enhances your career in ways it wouldn't if you were playing for Leicestershire, Gloucestershire, or Worcestershire. Okay, I just wanted, I just wanted to on. clarify that. <laughs> I haven't gone to which school. He's not wrong. Let's, let's leave school. He's not right wrong, out. yeah. Um, yeah, he's a good bloke, so he plays, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, okay, with the Butler thing, again, this is not necessarily something I'm advocating, but there has been a discussion about batting him higher up the order and saying to him, we'd rather be 70 for, for two than, than 20 for two. And if you're out after 15 overs, so be it. Not advocating it, but is there any mileage in it? Well, I kind of suggested it on one of the WhatsApp groups that we're on. So I think it's the right thing to do, although I was rightly put in my place saying... 
Yeah, yeah. I was rightly put in my place saying we tried that with Roy and it didn't work. So yeah. look, yeah. maybe Roy and Butler are two different class of batsmen. You know, there's you know the, the jury's out on on what, what you want to say over there. But the current touring party that are over there, I would hundred percent open with Butler um, at the moment because you know. What did um what did Gary Lyon say? You know, uh, you keep me playing like you are. You play me perfectly well, tongue in cheek, obviously. So yeah, it's one of those that was. Talking you know, of spinners, I mean, we're getting back to another man from the southwest here, Tom. Another off spinner from the southwest. Um, you know, famously said that he sees himself as a, a Taunton cricketer who occasionally plays for England. Um, it, we drop Leach on 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 a wicket that, by all accounts, is going to spin a bit. Do we bring him back for a wicket that may well not? What's his role in all of this, or does he not have one? I, I just, I, I just feel sorry for the bloke. Um, he's not an international cricketer. Um, he's come into a side at a time where there isn't another option, and Australia have done what everyone else should have, should have done before and have and have targeted him. Like I'm sure Jack Leach is a lovely bloke, yeah. but if you, if you walk down to the club on a Saturday and he was bowling for for Ealing. You would think this bloke's all right, but if you, you wouldn't necessarily say he's an international cricketer, I don't think. Um, but going going back to that Butler thing, I just this and again, this is me playing devil's advocate. I just wonder how that sort of reflects on some of the other blokes in the squad or in the Lions side when you're sort of saying to them that an out of form Butler is better up the order than giving other people an, an opportunity. And I suppose that's sort of my philosophy at the moment is that, look, we are not going to win this. We're not going to win the series. Why don't we just go, right, we've got Bracey that's just got 100 for the Lions. We've got other blokes around the squad. We've got Brooke, who's there, who's a good player. We've got Tom Abel around, who's a good player. Why not just blood them? I think it was Australia against South Africa in 2017 and, and South Africa were in Australia and Philander and Rabado were running riot. And Lehman just dropped a load of the top blokes and just brought in three or four lads who just done all right in the Sheffield Shield. And I mean, it didn't make a difference, but I just feel like long-term games, are you better off just going with the safe blokes? Like Chris Wokes, who's a safe, safe bloke. Dara Milan, who's proven me wrong at the moment, but he's a safe bloke. Joss Butler, safe bloke. I just think I'd much rather see players blooded and given an opportunity. If the bio bubbles allowed that to happen, I suppose that's the one thing we don't know what the protocols are to get those guys in. Well, they, they've flown back, haven't they? Haven't they come back to England? Or are they still out there? Um, some of them have, but some some of them are still around um, playing in the big bash. Okay. So again, that transition from white ball to red ball probably not ideal when we're two now down the series. But my honest answer at the moment is I don't really know what the what the answer is. But if we're going to lose five nil, which is how it looks at the moment. I would, as an England fan, rather lose 5-0 and see some other guys potentially given an opportunity rather than have blokes' careers completely ruined over five tests. So what do you think about the bowling, Tom? Because, I mean, we've got that up-and-coming off-spinner, Robinson. He, he can bowl. Um, we've, got, <laughs> we've got Joe Root, who, who doesn't bowl in any other format of the game, really, apart from test cricket. I mean, what the hell is going on? You know, what, what are we we got Broad and Anderson, who, I don't think he did heinously badly, but, uh, you know... Both, both the wrong side of sixty, whatever they are, they obviously getting on a bit. What, what do we do with that bowling lineup? And I'm not, obviously, they've been fantastic for England, but what, what, what do we do on Boxing Day with our bowlers? Yeah, I don't know. Again, like yeah, James Anderson's thirty nine years old. I don't. It's horses for courses. I don't think 
those Aussie pitches are necessarily built for James Anderson, especially when they're bowling, trying to bounce out uh, Australian batsmen who was averaging 900 at 60 miles an hour. Especially again, and this is me being very biased, but you've got six foot seven Craig Overton sat on the sidelines and know who he doesn't want. He's not rapid, but you just think he must be licking his lips when he looks at that. And Mark Wood, I mean, that drop. Drop, drag that. Sorry, yeah. I mean, I was, I completely got it wrong about Mark Wood before that first test. He bowled unbelievably well in that first test. And I just, again, yeah, I think it's just the safe options. I've got a controversial. I've got a controversial answer to that. Hey, up. Here we get, go. A, get a better captain who can tell the bowlers where to pitch it. Because if you have a look at where the bowlers were pitching the ball, now I understand bowlers bowl to a field, but bowl to the field that the captain sets you. And if you if you have a oh, look... Well, shouldn't, shouldn't the bowlers set the field that they think they're going to need to get somebody out? And if, when it doesn't work, then what happens? Well, they have a captain, chat with the captain. Yeah, your captain's got to make those calls. And I, I suppose I'm bringing this up because... You know, Joe Root's got the, you know, he's got the poison chalice at the moment. He's the most successful England captain that's ever been. However, he's now the most unsuccessful captain that's ever been in the most losses within his career. So he's the most England, he's lost the most tests um, as an England captain, um, as well as won the most. So hang on, you know, let, let's let's actually pick into so that. Who would you be huge. I don't think anyone really so, so what I'm time. doing right now is providing um, the option for other people to suggest stuff I, 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 I can't answer that just building on what you just said it was interesting I found it interesting the other day when um, Joe Root went off to the hospital to have his unmentionable scam um, Ben Coates took over the captaincy and it was interesting to see how the bowlers bowled a much fuller length when Stokes was leading the side. Now, whether or not that was because he was telling them or, or some, something had got through to them, but there was quite a difference between how England approached the session when Root wasn't captaining and, and when Stokes was. So, again, is Root the right person for the job beyond, beyond the ashes? I'm not saying that Stokes is the right person. I think Stokes is a very intelligent cricketer. He wants to put more pressure on him. But should we just, you know, allow Root to concentrate on, on arguably some of the best batsmen in the world, take the captaincy away from him, and, and actually bring in some? The only person I could think of would, would be Stokes at the moment. I don't think there's anybody else. But yeah, maybe I'm with you on that one. Maybe, maybe there is time for a change. But I don't think there's going to be... There's two things that occurred to me there. I don't think there's going to be a change in the series. Agreed. And, yeah. I, I don't think... Whatever we might say about Ruth's captaincy, I don't think it's heinous. I, th- I think a lot of the things that are going wrong no. with England are, are beyond the decisions he makes on the field. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, captains often don't look like captains when you appoint them. Um, and you see that in club cricket, just as you see it in, in international cricket. People sort of grow into the role and can, can often surprise you. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's a character in the dressing room that, of course, we're not party to, who might be really good at this. But my instinct says that Butler thinks about the game a lot. And Butler makes decisions that generally look like they make sense. And I remember the, a documentary about the, the World Cup winning summer. And, and Butler came across really well, I thought. He's quite a thoughtful character. Is, he, is that what we want to do to Butler at the moment? You know, the guy's only just in the team anyway. Um, so I think the answer to that is no. But, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if there's somebody in the dressing room who may make a better captain than we realise. But it's definitely a discussion for, I'm, I'm guessing, after the West Indies series. But that West Indies series, well, England will probably do quite well there. And all of a sudden, we're into next summer, 
and we look in a lot better place and we probably look on, on the shortest day of the year in the middle of this winter, right? There's another name for you just there. Chief Dreamland Captain, Jack Leach. Oh, crikey. That's come from left field. <laughs> He's got to get in what the start of the eleven first. <laughs> Not always been a problem yeah. in England news, Mike, really. Um, <laughs> Are you talking about yeah, being yeah. captain of Taunton St. Dean or England? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to start somewhere. Let, let him start England. The world yeah. club captain. Start the work your way down. Yeah, okay. I did. I did. I did hear another name thrown in the other day, which I, I can't see him staying in the Test side. Uh, it was Rory Burns because obviously we what well, he captain Surrey. Captain right. is Surrey, doesn't he? So of course, stay in the Test side. He plays with Surrey. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's got a captaincy yeah. history, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. it's a tough one, you know. I think um, you, know, you read all the tweets out there from the guys that have toured over there before, and they say it's the one of the most difficult tours. Um, the one thing, the one thing I'm going to be interested to see is get sapped because every tour there's been a South African that's been sapped. You know, I think in 2012, 2013 it was KP. I think the next one was uh, Balance or African. You know, Zim. so you know Milan needs to watch out here because I think he's the only he's the only one in the squad at the moment. So <laughs> you guys need to up your game in terms of producing players for our national team. Using yeah. it's been pretty disappointing the last few months. Yeah. And that exports all gone to Australia since Brexit happened. Yeah, like, know. you know, minus Labuschagne and, <laughs> and all of those guys. Now, come on. <laughs> yeah, but on like on a more positive note, I think again, I, I, I think this is sort of anti-English, but how good have some of us, like how good has minus Labuschagne been? Like that's that's the difference, isn't it? Well, if I'm being honest with you, but that's not the point you're making. He's very irritating. He's he's irritating because like he's stolen that from Stephen Smith as well. It's like stealing someone else's jokes. I just it's not. Yeah, it's just bizarre. But he loves batting. He does. He does. I did love. I did read something the other day. He's he shouts no runs so often, but yet he scores plenty of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Australia were a fair play. They just won the World T Twenty. We were hearing about some of the some of the problems they had in their camp, and yet it doesn't look that way now, does it? It look, looks like they're a, as a unit no. they fit together really nicely. And Mitch said this in, in the last podcast that we did. I thought we've had loads of you know really positive feedback. If you're listening, Mitch, on your your contribution, so thanks for those. But you know, talk about Stark. You know, the question marks about Stark really 145 kilometers an hour rockets at your big toes. I, I'd yeah. pick him. Yeah. And I just think they're, they're left armour. Yeah, left armour. And they've got another guy coming in, 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 in for the third test, who I believe is pretty decent. I don't know much about him, but uh, pretty decent. Just They've got it right, haven't they? they? They look like things have just ticked at the right moment for them. Yeah. Look, look yeah. there's one thing that's going to be guaranteed after that first, after the third, or day one of the third test. It's going to be 10 for one. Because one of the England openers are going to be out, or Harris is going to be out. That's, that's a guarantee. That's... <laughs> we will see. Yeah. Didn't um, in, in this last test didn't Australia's wicketkeeper make his debut as well? Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 In, in this series, I mean, he looks like you know. He's, Alex Carey, yeah. He, he's, yeah. He's just slotted in straight away. Like he's been there for years. What happened to the old keeper? <laughs> oh, that's right. Never mind. No, Crazy. <laughs> We've got to try and do something over the Aussies and, you know, throw some mud on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Well, does anyone know yeah. what the sort of weather forecast is for Melbourne? Because Melbourne can sometimes be a bit damp, but is, is it likely to be 35 degrees again? And, and if so, what sort of bowlers do we pick? Or what sort of batters do we pick? What team do we go with? That's what I'm saying here. Mark Wood comes back in, right? So who goes? 
Because Mitch said, Robin's the last time round, and I see the angle. It's difficult, isn't it? Um, I don't think there's a right answer. I don't. I don't. I think it will be easy for. Him, I, I, it's so easy for to sit here and say they should do this, do that, and not play it safe and not pick James Anderson, who's arguably one of the greatest seam bowlers to ever play cricket and England's best ever seamer. But I just, it's, I don't think he suits those conditions. I really don't. Um, I'd like to see Wood brought back into the side and I'd like to see another batter given an opportunity. Who that is, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a challenge. I, I suspect have... that there might be a few injuries in, in the camp. So I don't mean people like, you know, walking around on one leg, but but when you're 39 years old and whatever broad is, you know, if you're not 100% fit, then 10 days of cricket over this period of 16 days is going to be difficult. So it may well be that the choice is made because someone's not quite fit. Yeah. I had a quick look yeah. at, the, at, the, at the weather forecast for you guys while, while, while we were chatting there. Um, day one, Sunday, looks um, 14 to 20 degrees. Uh, morning is going to be overcast with sun breaking through in the afternoon. And then the rest of the days all look between 13 and 26. So realistically on them, during the, when they're playing cricket, it's going to be 20, 25, somewhere around there. So, but it looks dry for the first three days at the moment. So, yeah. So this is not going to be the draw. This is where England come back and win one for my 2-2 prediction, Dan. Well, the camp bed's still in the loft waiting, you, you know, as and when to get this. <laughs> Although I'm not racing to get the camp bed out just yet. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, taking your point right at the beginning, usually, I mean, we, we, did, we, we could have lost this game in three days. And we didn't. And so if you want to really be positive, and I suppose in professional sport you've just got to be, then um, then we, we need we need a few more things to go our way. And I suspect Bairstow will come in for Pope. I think that's what will happen. Um, just yeah. simply because I think Pope's really struggling and Butler did enough. Ginger quota. Is that... <laughs> you've, got have, you've got to have a quota of ginger players now, haven't you? It's 2021. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I mean, Pope was never going to play at Christmas anyway. He's probably quite busy elsewhere. Well, dear. Hey. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> that is the best dad joke we've had on this series so far. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, I think you're dead right, Tom. Uh, who knows what, what what we should do? And it's very easy to say it from here, but I've got a feeling that Wokes will go um, and uh, and Wood will come in. But... I mean, Wokes, Wokes hasn't done that much wrong. He's batted quite well, but I'm, I'm absolutely loath to pick bowlers because they bat well. You know, yeah, bowlers, absolutely. Um, and yeah. if batters don't bat well, we shouldn't be relying on Chris Wokes to score 50. We're getting it all wrong. No. Yeah. Well, no, Jack Leach uh, averages 99, oh, 90 odd opening the bat in Fringham, doesn't he? But you did suggest that he should open, Tom. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, I know, but people will call me mental. I think it's a good suggestion. Well, statistically, you can't do that much worse than what we've got at the moment. But then again, nor could I. <laughs> no, yeah, it's very true. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, well, we will see. Uh, we will see what that brings. There is, of course, other cricket on on Boxing Day. Huge. I'm looking at you. Yeah, um, in, in in action, right? Yeah, absolutely. So India touring South Africa, which is going to be nice. Three tests and three one days. So, yeah, I mean, for those of you that are going to be waking up at 12 o'clock to watch the Ashes, um, you'll be happy to know that straight as soon as that finishes. Um, you can turn over from BT, which you're paying your subscription for, to Sky Sports, which you're paying your subscription for, <laughs> and watch India play or South Africa play against India. Um, yeah, so, yeah, looking forward to it, actually. Um, you know, I think um, it's going to be, I do think, you know, that one's going to be a one-way one series. I think India are going to absolutely try South Africa 3-0 there, so... I'm not as optimistic when uh, I'm, I'm looking at um, 
at England uh, and Australia. Easy to be optimistic about people that you don't really care that much about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but oh, you think 3-0 then, seriously? I mean, yeah, has South Africa had any preparation for this? or Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've had a fair amount of prep that's gone on. So I've been watching a little bit of it, you know, with, with, uh, well, keeping an eye on it instead of watching it. So, yeah, but I think the prep's gone well. Archie Nokia's injured, which is arguably one of our best bowlers behind Rabada. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those where... Look, I think there's there's a lot of other things that are going on in the background, which is disrupting it with, you know, your coach and your national selectors that's now being accused of being of doing of wrongdoing and um, and stuff. So I think there's more to just cricket, unfortunately, which is, you know, distracting them from playing cricket. So, yeah, it's one of those where, unfortunately, it's just going to be you know not an excuse. Definitely not an excuse because I don't think the personnel are, are good enough to beat the Indians. I think their side, uh, their squad at the moment is just, you know, phenomenal. Right, okay. I'm going to take on the Eugene Berger role here. I feel morally obliged to do this, but two things I say about that, Eugene. One, sometimes the easiest place to be is on the pitch. When it's all nightmarishly bad off it and you can't control it, yeah. you know, then, and the politics of the South African cricket board is, is difficult, isn't it? But perhaps on the pitch, players might relax and just, just play some cricket, and that could be good. And, and secondly, I think, um, you know, travelling is always difficult. It's always easier to play at home than it is away. Uh, and India, clearly great side, as you say, but it, it's not their natural habitat. So um, maybe that, that could help South Africa relax and perhaps pull off a shot and win 3 0. Okay, no, maybe not. Are you smoking? Can I have some of that stuff yeah. back? <laughs> obviously, sent it in the post. <laughs> I'll send it round, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, sort of serious though. It might be the situation where they've got nothing to lose here. Just go out and play some cricket, see how it goes. Yeah, I, I look. I, I'm, you know, look. I, I always try to be optimistic. I think in this instance here, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's going to be too optimistic, unfortunately. However, the one day series, I'm very optimistic about. I do think we got a chance there, after watching them play in the in the World Cup, T uh, Twenty all bit, but it's the same personnel that play white ball cricket. So, yeah. yeah, I'm optimistic on the one day. It's just not on the tests, unfortunately. Yeah, Donald Fieldy, will you will you be able to to watch much of that series? I I, I suspect they'll be able to sneak bits in, but. With being a bit knackered, having watched cricket overnight, I probably won't watch as much as I would have liked. What would you would you see that? I think I think it will be snippets at best. Um, I totally get where you just coming from, but I'll I'll, I'll give the South Africans one. So two two one to uh, India. But, uh, hopefully, hopefully grab something. Yeah. But I guess your better half is probably interested in watching it, Donna's right? She's South African. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it could be that I'll be watching the Ashes and then uh, I'll take over to tell you and watch the South uh, So maybe, I don't know, next two weeks we won't see each other. Yeah, I can't, can't <laughs> see my wife doing that. I'm unlikely to commandeer the TV to watch South Africa v India. But, I mean, I'm living hope and all that. Yeah. And Fieldy, are you going to watch much of it? Or I guess work is going to get in the way as well. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, I feel like when India play cricket, I feel like a Welsh rugby fan. Like anyone who plays against England, I support the opposite team. So of course, I want I want a, a South African whitewash. But you never know, do you know? Some of those Indian players might get that uh, horrible diarrhoea we all got when we were in Cape Town, so they might be wiped out for a few Test matches. But you, you, you never know. I just feel I feel South Africans Test side are in a a pretty similar position to England at the moment where there's no really you're not really settled on many players and there's no one really set in the world alight and India are a bit like Australia aren't they like they lose a, a player one of their big names gets injured and then they bring in this other bloke you've never heard of and then they look like another Virat Kohli and you're like where where have you come from yeah. um, you? Yeah. it's just yeah and 
it, yeah, it's annoying. It's really annoying as as being English or South African fans. But yeah, I uh, I'd love to be optimistic for the South Africans, but I just think I uh, what what impressed me about the Indians in England this summer was they just seem like a much grittier side than than India have looked previously. And they look like a like a, a unit, a team, and I think that was the difference between their test side and their twenty twenty side in the World Cup, which is why I don't think they were as successful in the World Cup. And think in that test series in England, they looked like a, a a unit, a real team that wanted to win and wanted blood. Whereas in the twenty twenty, I think they just, they looked like they were going to win. They felt like this is our trophy to lose, basically. So yeah, I think I mean you never you never know, do you? Um, it's going to be tough for them with restrictions in South Africa as well, and you never know how much that plays on the guys' minds as well. But yeah, I think it's going to be a tough series, South Africa. Sorry, mate. Yeah, we will follow with interest. Though you can't get in the way of the truth, unfortunately. One final thing I wanted to fling, uh, fling in about international cricket actually is that uh, earlier today we're recording on um, Tuesday. David Lloyd announced that he was um, stepping back from the Combox. 22 years, I think it, it's been, since he's been in the Combox. But much as David Lloyd is, is, is definitely mad, I think he, there's no doubt about that, I always found him really good value. And I, I sort of noticed that a little bit with the Australian commentary team that has been inflicted on us uh, by a BT Sport. <laughs> that Shane Warren contradicting himself every 30 seconds and, and, and you know, lots of in-gags that are obviously very funny to the commentators but sort of not, not massively funny to me. But, but, but maybe that's just me. But what, one thing I noticed with, with Lloyd is he's a genuinely funny man and I'll certainly, I'll certainly miss hearing his, his bonkersness on, on my, coming out of my TV uh, over the summers. I mean, any, any other thoughts on Bumble, folks? Were, were you all fans? Or? Yeah, I loved him. He's great. I think he's one of those blokes that if you even if you're not a huge cricket fan, he can make it entertaining and, and enjoyable and but also has an incredible knowledge of the game as well. And I think people forget sort of where he came from as well, the fact that he was England's coach at one point. So and obviously we you hear the stories of when he's I remember Tom all those years ago against Zimbabwe, he gave a great interview after his streak had been bowling semi wides to Stopping me in a test match. If people don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. We flipping murdered them. I will be Googling that later. Yeah, Lloyd's great. But yeah. I just, yeah. And like Flintoff used to talk about him, didn't he? About the, you know, he used to make these speeches and put up these like great speech makers and stuff. And just, yeah, I just think he's a very entertaining bloke. But and he's passionate guy, he genuinely cares. And I think that's, that's worth something as well. I think that's what, I think that's what comes through. He, he absolutely loves cricket. And and he's just a natural in in sharing that enthusiasm with with the audience. Um, I think he's a great loss. Absolutely loved him. National treasure. Um, interesting to see where where Sky go now. I mean, obviously you know, they've got the sort of the the, the Appertons and Rob Key and Ian Ward and that. So um, interesting times. But I think I think um, I think Bumble's done a great job. Yeah, it's definitely a changing of the guard with you know Gower both um, holding. So you know, the, the the funny thing is, I don't remember who was before them. You know that that's that's I suppose how long you know the longevity of of that of that team has gone for. I don't remember, or maybe maybe because that's there was no TV back then. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Not that long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. But I think so. having a person like Bumble, that's going to be tougher to replicate. Having somebody who knows a lot about the game. Well, there are plenty of those folks about but a genuinely funny guy coming up with genuine randomness and not fake randomness you know he just was an entertaining character and I think you can't 
You can't manufacture characters like that. They've got to evolve into it. No. No. He's like a Raj Deep Chowdhury, isn't he? He just they one of them. Raj, if you're listening, you have a vocation that's calling you here. Leave acting, you know. But we need you. You're cut the, the world needs you to talk about cricket. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'll certainly certainly miss him. And and I I know I sort of made a few cheap shots at the Australian commentators, but I do think they're pretty rubbish, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I, I think I think um uh, there are exceptions. Uh, I think Gilchrist is She's not Australian. <laughs> yeah, but she says one for twenty-seven or whatever. I mean, what, what are you going on about? But Isha, no, I can live with. It's it's the it's the cheerleaders that really I find a bit grating. And you know, you say what you like yeah. about Humble. He wasn't a cheerleader. He was just a funny guy who knew a lot about cricket. It's fair to say perspective on is not Ricky Benno. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah. no, no, but it's interesting because Gilchrist and Pontin were the best Australian batters in their very different ways of my generation and they're the best Australian commentators Warren was the best Australian yeah. bowler and he's the worst Australian commentator of his generation so I don't know what that means but it always occurs to me the batters t- have turned into really really good talkers but there we go we will no doubt uh, move on Phil did you want last word on Bumble? Yeah I, th- yeah, I, just, I just hope they don't try and replicate him you know I think I hope they just continue what they're doing at the moment and Hopefully someone will come through. I think I don't know how much you guys have seen of Cook and uh, Matt Pryor, but a bit, yeah. I've really, I've really, I've really enjoyed. Um, I, particularly Matt Pryor surprised me. Actually, he's incredibly honest, brutally honest uh, about where England are at, and I think it's sometimes quite easy for those ex England players to sort of sit there and be because some of their mates are still playing and not be critical. But um, I quite like to see them involved at Sky as well, to be honest. I'd agree with them. I think they've, they've been really good, both of those guys. And um, the only thing that is a slight down for me is this, this hope or, or perhaps expectation that Alistair Cook could still be opening the batting for England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the two of them, Cryo and Cook, have been excellent. Really good. Well, if, you, if, if you're going to go down that route, we should be volleying or, or, or um, you know, making, making moves on trying to get Monty back into the England side. Although that would be negative for Twickenham, but, you know, let's, let's see. He's making interesting videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah been very negative with journalism career. <laughs> if you're listening, Monty, keep at it. Fella. Yeah, keep Absolutely. at it. We, we all follow yeah. this on Twitter too. Um, all good. Um, huge. Anything we need to know a bit closer to home? It's been relatively quiet since we last spoke. It's only a couple of weeks since our last pod, but um, uh, the AGM is is is, is going to be in January, right? Yeah. And um, we're slowly tooting towards indoor nets at some point towards the end of January, beginning of February. Is that yeah, right? that's correct. Yeah, we're all, all still going ahead. So nets, you know, nets towards um, towards the end of January. AGMs on the 11th. Um, I'm trying to think of any other highlights that are going on at the moment. Well, um, I wanted to just sort of put a, a bit of a I don't know what you call it, a gossip out there almost. But TC women have recruited. Um, I guess she's an overseas player from India, huge, right? You know about this one? And I have, yeah. The story is that she's very, 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 very good, right? So I'm quite intrigued how she gets on with TCC Women's Eleven, huge. Yeah, I've, I've heard the same. I've seen some of her, some of her footage when she's been bowling, and um, yeah, she's. I think she might be making moves on 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 some of them on the on the senior sides. I was going to call them men's. Absolutely, side, I was going to say. Fieldy, probably good job you're moving on, mate. Could have been in the threes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but in all seriousness, yeah. um, you know, there's no men's cricket. No, it's Twickenham CC, and it's Twickenham CC women. So we're hoping she's going to play 
uh, on Saturdays as well. And I mean, the, the footage looks great. She's not far off first-class cricketer by the sound of it. She is not a first-class cricketer, but um, but yeah, looking forward to seeing how, how she gets on. Her name escapes me, which I should have done some prep for this year. Can you remember or no, not? I can't, no, no. Okay, but I'm sure... I, I, it was about three weeks ago and I can barely remember what happened yesterday, never mind three weeks no. ago, so yeah. I hear you, but but I think it's really good for the the TTC women. They got you know what looks like an absolute gun cricketer is going to play for them, and, and hopefully she'll be able to play uh, on Saturdays too. So um, yeah, intrigued to see how that one develops. Yeah, yeah. Fieldy, looking forward. You're going to be playing in um, near Bristol next year in Congresbury, right? So a small Congresbury cricket club. Much about. I've been there a few times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've uh, got a few ex teammates from Devon who. Oh, I've made their roots there. So yeah, big shout out to Justin Yao, who's uh, got me, got me back, got me to Congresbury Cricket Club next year, which be I'm looking forward to. It. Just How many sides the Congresbury run? Three, is it or four? Yeah, three, I believe. Okay, which is very much um, I believe. in the southwest, isn't it? As well, that's that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. None of the spite of eleven sides. Yeah, it's a bit harsh there, Dad. Asking him already, he hasn't even played the game for the side. You want to know all about it? So you know, we're not we're yeah, not all sorry. cricket badgers like yourself. No, it just happens. I, I've been on tours to the South West and played at Congresbury, so I, I, I'm one of the you know relatively few clubs in the region that I actually know. So, yeah. um, very best of, of luck there, Fieldy, and, and keep us up to date, obviously. And rumours of cricket week oh, games well. maybe in the future, I, I believe. So. I'd love that. I'd absolutely love that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Fantastic. Um, Donna, is anything you want to fling in before we end? Nothing. Nothing really. Cricket related. Just um, just take this opportunity to, to wish everybody. At Twickenham uh, and everybody associated, current uh, members, former members, anyone else who's listening, just a very happy Christmas. Thank everybody at Twickenham. It's it's been a, a challenging year uh, for some of us, and a challenging year for everyone. But uh, challenges off the field as well. So thank you all for the help and support. And uh, just just wish everyone a, a happy and hopefully uh, healthy Christmas. Absolutely, and we'll be back pretty soon in January to talk about. The, the, the comeback news, yeah? yeah absolutely. Comeback. It's 2-1 next time we check, so yeah. 2-1, yeah. Bring it on. And if it is used, then you, you know, you're already got godlike status ready. in this house, but yeah. <laughs> every respect if it goes that way. Fellas, as always, it's been a pleasure. Um, go well over the Christmas uh, uh, Christmas period and we'll reconvene soon. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah.